Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. And this is an episode, um, it's a request. It's for someone who requested I elaborate on the self-sabotage episode. Um, She basically said that most things in life have, like self-sabotaging instances, have been because of attempting to desperately control the outcome. Meaning uh, the fear of what will be is so overwhelming that you then self-sabotage. So she asks, how do you let go of this need to control? Because it's actually really hard. It's it's hard in the moment when your body is triggered to let go of um, the need to stop that sense of anxiety. So this is all about letting go of control. Um, this listener also pointed out when you are self-sabotaging, it's the act is because you are attempting to keep yourself safe. So it's much easier when you are aware of when something is going to happen because you can actually anticipate it. It's a lot more painful to be in the state of unknown. So I know this is a really, it I, by default, it's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to achieve. So I'm going to do my best to give you some tools to navigate it. So with that, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. When you have that feeling of dread, overwhelming anxiety, or intensely painful vulnerability that causes you to tell someone to fuck off, but with your actions. So that would be like the self-sabotaging version of this. Or it could be that you're just so gnawed by the discomfort of something that is unpredictable and frightening that you insert yourself into the equation and just handle it constantly. Like that's just a, a state of being for who you, for you. So I'm going to call you and me, <laughs> you guys, the controllers, because that's kind of, it can be just a state of being. Like I'm the type of person who is going to be like, no, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Um, and oftentimes when you do that, that type of thing, it's crossing a boundary or you're kind of acting in a passive aggressive way, just as a, a constant state of your personality and it can lead to you feeling pissed off and like other people are not carrying their weight or resentful because somebody else is just kind of taking advantage of it and it can conversely also make others feel like just you're on their back all the time or that you're overstepping <clears throat> and invading you know where they might be able to show up for you So in other words, it just creates a a state of imbalance. Part two, the why. People who are controllers are those who have had a lack of control in their life. Usually that has to do with a caregiver or some terrifying factor in their life. So I would say there are like three obvious qualifiers. There are probably a a lot of other ones, but here are some basics. One if you had a very intolerant, inconsistent, cold, or neglectful parent, that would make you feel like you needed to be perfect, or perhaps you felt you needed to earn your keep as a child, like you became a tiny adult. Two, 
if you had chaos at home in your childhood, for example, due to rage or alcoholism, this would also make you feel the need to be very controlled about whatever you could in your life. And three, if you had an unexpected loss or trauma or something that rendered you powerless um, and something that shocked your system. For example, let's say you were abused by a person or chronically abused by a person or you had a single incident that made you redefine your sense of safety for the remainder of your life. So what all of these three buckets have in common is they put you on high alert and they ingrain in your body a sense of hypervigilance. So instead of just being yourself and allowing things to happen, you are <clears throat> constantly reading people, anticipating the future, planning for the future, readying yourself for action, um, and preparing for that other heavier shoe to drop. So whatever your particular life experience aligns with, this will trigger the hypervigilance. So for example, let's say it's a relationship. Let's say it's a relationship with your parent. In your future, or in your present, I would say, your any relationship where you feel attached or um, like trust for somebody else, that might create and trigger the sense of terror and fear of the unpredict or fear of what is unpredictable in your life. So something that will cause you to, in this circumstance, want to blow it all up because it's too stressful to feel that attachment. Controlling is also often a habit of survival. So it's something we grew as children as a way to survive that carried us and often our family pretty far. Probably the reason your family functioned. It's also really helpful in adulthood because it means you're just a high-functioning person. However, it's really hard to stop doing that and just live your life. It's frustrating because then you end up just being active and working all the time. So for a lot of people, that means you lack a lot of enjoyment in life and you lack um, presence in your life. When you are a controller, you are always fixing things, managing things, making lists, cleaning up, up the messes of others, preventing the messes of others, uh, fantasizing about what potential messes could come up in the future. And uh, that's just kind of like our state of being. And usually what happens is we pair up with the inverse. So we end up with, if we're the yin, we find a yang um, that is just kind of, you know, enhanced in their laziness by our overaction. So what ha happens is the imbalance means we grow slightly um, resentful and then unhappy and unseen and then eventually sad and like we're unloved. Or in the case of the self-sabotagers, you either are chasing someone or apologizing to someone and you can never really maintain that state of satiated, okay, safe, in love, connected. It's like that's the danger zone. So with that, here's part three, the how, the tools. So if you are in the state of controlling outcomes, your body is being hijacked. And depending on to what degree you are affected, you may or may not have the actual power to choose otherwise. So I will start by saying that if you black out or you go into a state of numbness where you lose a sense of time and space or perhaps you sink inside of yourself, 
and everything feels distant, you're probably suffering from PTSD and dissociating. In other words, your brain is overriding your control and it needs to be rewired. And something that's something really difficult to do without some external intervention, like the help of some somebody else. The good news is there are lots of new treatments for this kind of thing. There are things that I've heard great reviews of. I haven't tried them myself, but those things include EMDR and somatic experiencing. There are also some more traditional therapy techniques like CBT, DBT, and mindfulness-based CBT. So if this sounds like something that might be true for you, first things first, start doing some clear-headed Googling. And if that doesn't sound like you, if you are more of just the anxious kind of person who cannot stop obsessing about the what-ifs in your life to the point where you can't help but over-muscle everything in your life, then I believe your issues lie more in the tools department. Like, I think you just need to have the proper tools and mental approach to help yourself follow a higher purpose. So the first step for all of you is tool number one, know thy freakness. So we're all control freaks here. I want you to describe to yourself what you do and when you do it. Like get to know what is operating you. What are your triggers? What in your life do you end up controlling the most? How does this hurt you? How does this hurt others? How does this help you? How does this help others? Is there an imbalance? So basically, get to know what is happening in your life. What are the symptoms of your particular controlling habits? And I want you to do this in your journal. And then so write all the answers to those things. And then I want you to take a break from it. Just maybe like, you know, a couple days. Don't look at it. Don't reread it. And then I want you to revisit it and then ask yourself, what can I bring into my life to help myself in the face of this? For example, if you are controlling um, a significant other in your life, that would mean you're going to try attending an Al-Anon meeting, for example. Or if you are a self-sabotager, that means you are seeking out a therapist, for example. All right, tool number two, ghost cocktail hour. So imagine your brain is like a house and it's haunted. And instead of being freaked out, like whispering, hello, hello, down the dark hallways every time you turn on a light, I'm going to say, welcome those ghosts to a cocktail party. So by that, I mean, you're going to invite all of the worst case scenario thoughts into your life and just say, I'm, I welcome it and rehearse it mentally. A lot of us over control because we are so uncomfortable with the potentiality of the worst case scenario occurring. And so we're trying anything to sort of sideways convince ourselves that that won't happen because we can just try this or we can try that. Or if we do this, maybe that won't happen. But really, it's just so much more pain that we've created for ourselves in the process of believing that we can somehow magically make what is out of our control, you know, impossible. So that's, it's all a fiction. So the, the future is going to be what it will be, whether or not you worry about it or plot around it. So I want you to take control of this process of controlling by just jumping to the worst case scenario and welcoming it because 
truly, you will be okay no matter what. It doesn't mean you're going to make it more so just by visualizing it. It just means when it hap- if it happens, it'll be totally tolerable and non-haunting because you have prepared for it. The other half of this is I want you to also visualize the best case scenario and welcome that. So this is really just mentally rehearsing things. Mentally rehearsing worst case scenario, imagining what you will do in the face of it, welcoming it, accepting it, and then visualizing best case scenario, rehearsing it, visualizing it step by step, and welcoming it. And this is just going to mean that you in the worst case scenario are like, yep, I'm fine. I'm totally okay. And it means that you also will skip a lot more of the obsessing and subconscious fearful, you know, obsessing that you, you already are doing. All right, the next tool I have is just a handful of mantras. I've given all of these before, but I wanted to just put them all in one place. Here are the mantras for controllers. First one, I am not psychic. When, as soon as you start to think all of the things that are going to happen, and then that's going to mean this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, say aloud to yourself, I'm not psychic. You cannot predict the future. You have no idea what will be. This is all just your brain's manifestation does not exist in reality. You, you cannot predict the future. Next mantra, I'm probably wrong. As soon as you start obsessing about what this person's probably thinking and what they probably did and probably what they're going to do next, this is just a great way to dismiss all of that thinking because it's all fiction, all manifested in your mind. Just say, I'm probably wrong because you are probably wrong. We are not as uh, acute in our guesses as we think we are. Last mantra, let go and let God, or let go and let good. This is one I probably use the most out of every single one because it's just a great reminder to tell yourself not to anticipate or obsess or be in a place in your mind that you are not, that doesn't exist yet. You're not in the future yet. You're not living the future. We are still in the moment we are in, which is the present. And as soon as we start to try and control, we're just ruining our present day. So remember to step back and disengage. Let go and let good. Go and let good. Go and let God. All right, the next tool, milk covered everything. I know this is crazy, and you're going to listen to this and say, nah, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) Great, great intro, Sarah. Um, Okay, but as a meditation and a way to build a muscle, I want you to lean into spilling milk. Let the milk just spray everywhere. I want to milk... I want a milk pool. Everything in my life should be covered in milk. So just basically lean into allowing people in your life to make mistakes, to fall on their face, to make the thing, you know, send the parking ticket in late. Lean into allowing shit to fall apart and embrace those moments just as an exercise because it's not as catastrophic as it feels like it will be before it happens. I want you to practice welcoming the milk on the floor just so you can start to build up a tolerance to the mess. So embrace the imperfectness of it. And the main reason being, it feels like we always have to ensure things don't get messed up. Like we have to make sure everything goes perfectly. But it's not that bad if they don't. Like it's not the end of the world. Like if you don't pack all the shit in the diaper bag, eh, it's fine. It's like you can make do. We don't need much at all. We just build up all these like standards in our brain that we're like, it has to be like this and I have to do this and I have to, all that black and white thinking. And also we have to allow others in our life to be imperfect and accept them and appreciate them as just that 
because if we cannot allow others to be involved and participate, we rob them of happiness and the experience of feeling valuable. And by contributing, we earn our value as humans. We, we feel necessary. We feel appreciated. Um, so we're, we're actually like hurting other people by correcting for them. Even if we know deep down we could have done it better, it's, if you think about it from a bird's eye view, we're hurting our life and the quality of our life via our need to control. All right, the next tool is called Better Is Not Winner. So basically, when we do it better than someone else, or we try and control something and we try and fix it, we are not winning. We are actually losing. So this is more of a mantra for anyone who tries to control others and fix what they do, almost like you're fixing a little kid's art project. Just remember, I'm not actually benefiting my life. I'm not making things better for myself by bettering this one situation. Because on a whole, I'm actually hurting someone else's ability to feel a value and participate in a relationship and feel like they're earning their keep. So it's like almost like lean into the imperfection and lean into the, you know, the little weird macaroni sculpture your child has made you. All right, the next tool is called grasping fixating. I've given this one quite a few times. It's one of my favorites. This is a journal exercise for you to do. This is if you are attempting to control something and you're obsessing about it, like you're feeling a lot of dread, you're feeling a lot of anxiety, you're freaking out about something that is yet to be. I want you to journal, ask yourself two questions. Am I grasping at something? Am I fixating on something? And usually what the answers will be, it's it's like I'm trying to control something that hasn't happened and I'm and usually underneath that is a buried feeling. It's a buried emotion that we are resisting feeling and that is why our brain is playing all these games of, you know, negotiation of if I do blank maybe I can avoid this and like maybe if I try this and maybe I don't want to do it at all. Like all of this resistance is coming in the form of anxiety. And usually when we can accept the underlying feeling, which is often powerlessness, it makes it so much more tolerable because it just relieves, it's like it pops a zit. It just relieves all of that tension and obsessing and controlling, like this game that we're playing. Um, and then I have two more little journal prompts for you if this helps you in any way. The, the next one would be, what is the worst thing that could happen? And then what is the best thing that could happen? And mentally, I think you can rehearse. This is a way for you to relieve some more of the obsession. If you can rehearse visualizing those two things happening, you're almost like making peace with all scenarios. And it just takes a little bit of the pressure off of your brain to do all that work of anticipation. All right, the next tool is called Pissing Stones. So I know that's gross. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking of kidney stones, passing really fucking painful little rocks. So I want you to get in touch with whatever the feeling is and wherever it is in your body and see how you can relax the muscle response you are having to that feeling. So when we are attempting to control something, we're usually uh, holding a lot of tension in a particular part of our body and we won't even be conscious of it. But when we're feeling that I'm in my control mode, I'm being controlling, I want you to just do a body scan 
and ask yourself, where is this in my body? Let's say it's your shoulders, or maybe it's just like your, you know, clavicle, your somewhere around your neck. Then I want you to basically imagine you are breathing into that part of your body. And then just as much as you possibly can, relax that part of your body, almost like you're like pushing the stress just from your person. And so this is really about deliberately recognizing like I'm holding tension in my body. I'm told, holding like the need to control in my body. And then recognizing that's a thought you're having and then making peace with that thought and kind of like allowing it just to be in you without resisting it. So it's almost like you're you're doing endurance reps. You're practicing letting something that is uncomfortable, something that is fear-inducing, practicing just allowing it to be and not having a reaction to it. It's almost like passing a kidney stone, a much less painful kidney stone, um, in that you are really just the the muscle to hone, if you are a person who is controlling, is just being okay with discomfort. Because controlling is really a symptom of wanting to resist something negative and wanting to avoid it. So if we can instead just welcome it and let it sit with us and just like practice doing that, like we're doing, you know, crunches, it doesn't actually, it doesn't stay with us very long. And we can weather things much more easily because we just pass through them. We're moving through them instead of fighting them and attempting to hide from them, which usually causes a lot more problems. Um, Another way to do this pissing of stones is just to name the feeling, name the underlying feeling that is causing us to feel like we need to control or resist things. And that actually changes us. It changes the part of the brain where we more identified with. So it moves us a little bit out of the emotional part of our brain into the rational part of our brain just by giving it a name. So I would say anxious, worried, fearful, hurt, powerless, whatever that is, takes us a little bit, takes a little power away from the emotion. All right, the next tool is called, hi kitty. Imagine your emotional response is like a tiger and it's thrashing in your arms and clawing at your face and you're just gonna hug it and kiss it and squish it and you're just like it's not ripping your face off and it's you're just gonna say hi kitty I love you kitty I love you kitty I love you and this visualization is just one way that you can practice welcoming that pain into your consciousness instead of trying to push it away instead of trying to resist it and control it if you are struggling with um this reaction to anything that bugs us or is painful to us in particular, I recommend, like if that's when your control stuff comes out, I really recommend listening to uh, Pima Chodron's Making Friends With Your Mind. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but that's a great one just for non-reactivity in particular, because that's really what it's all about is, is your mind going to control you or are you going to control how your mind affects you. Um, and this is true of any thought process that occurs to you. Even if it's something that's really overwhelming, practice just being like, hi, kitty. It's, you're welcoming it and you're greeting it with like a little sly smile. Like it's a little bit of a sense of humor. The example Pima Chodron uses is like, she says like, oh, hello, old friend. When let's say like the cloud of 
stress and you're you're triggered and you're feeling less than instead of resisting the feeling she's like oh hello it's you old friend it's you that funny thought I always have right around the same time in my life all right the next tool is hierarchy of emotional logic so I'm handing you a little imaginary chart right now and this is for you to begin to get to know your thoughts that are meaningful and also the thoughts that are not as meaningful so on this chart, um, you're basically going to put at the very top, like I think of it like a long vertical pillar, like it's a ruler, it's a vertical ruler. The very top is holistic mind. At the very bottom is mosquito mind. And I want you to kind of pull out this ruler whenever you get into a state where your thoughts are really confusing. Because I find that a lot of my clients are like, how do I know if I want this or if I don't want this? How can I tell what is me and what is my baggage? Like, what's the difference? So when you are using this chart, the bottom mosquito mind is like a gnat. It's chaotic. It's fearful. It's fleeting. It's rushing. It's reactionary. It will feel obsessive. It's solving. It's nonstop. It goes in circles. It bats against a light bulb, forgetting that, or bats against a window, forgets the window's there. On the opposite end of the scale is holistic mind. The holistic mind will feel resolute, calm, finite, obvious, unavoidable. It just is. And it's just, you can't avoid it. It's just, it's almost like at the bottom of your stomach and you know it's there. It, it's like it, the texture of it. I'm trying to describe how the different kinds of thoughts feel. It's almost like, you didn't know it was Monday, and then now you know it's Monday. It's like that kind of thing where you're like, it, it's just that obvious. It's that plain. You don't have to negotiate it. It just kind of, sometimes it'll like sneak up on you, and you'll just have like an awareness. Um, and it's just simple. It's plain versus the negotiating, spinning, solving part is like struggling for grounding. That is the chaos part of you that is usually a symptom of resistance. At least in myself, I find that I have those types of thoughts when I'm resisting accepting. I'm resisting feeling pain of accepting something that is true. It's like I don't want to know it's true yet. So my brain is like, but maybe this, maybe that, maybe this, maybe that. Hopefully that gives you, hope you, hope you can pull that pull, uh, ruler out of your pocket sometimes. All right, the next tool is hard reset. So if you are in a, in a controlling mode and you don't know up from down, I want you to hit the power button to reset your body. This is a great way to prolong the reaction time if you find that you are struggling with intense feelings of pain in your body. So let's say you're hugging that little kitty and it's hurting like hell. You're obsessing. You're losing your shit. You're freaking out. You're trying not to, you're triggered, but you're trying not to be driven by this trigger. So how would you cope with that? And sometimes it's really helpful to, instead of um, sitting in that moment, just hit a hard reset on your body. So for example, you're like changing the channel on your life. And that means changing your physiology. For example, if you were to take a cold shower or run around the block as fast as you can while blasting, rock star um, on your headphones. 
Other tips include things that change your environment, change your heart rate, change your chemistry, change, change your physical direction, your train of thought, your speed, your temperature, your point of view. So any of those things. So if you are in a place and you can't go outside anytime soon, I recommend trying to like put your physical body, your, your head upside down somehow. So like doing a forward fold can be helpful. The main reason to do this is you're actually helping yourself create a delay between the physical state in your body and your reaction to that physical state. So it's almost like you're practicing growing this muscle of tolerance, of, of being able to tolerate discomfort and anxiety. And I know it's really hard to do this, especially if you are extremely physically triggered. But in those moments when you feel like, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed and I need to control this somehow, the more tools you can apply to soothe your physical body and the more aggressively you can apply them, the sooner you will find one or two will take the edge off and they'll work for you. Um, I find that a lot of people find relief in running. I know other people find it in taking baths. So I encourage you to just start to build a tool set of soothing your physical response to a need for control so that you can actually choose. This is really all in service of being able to be guided by your own highest thinking versus the obsessive, fearful kind of mosquito thinking. So I hope this helps. And before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Sarah, a huge donation from you. Thank you so much. And Aaron, new monthly sponsor. Thank you so much. And Ash, another new yearly sponsor. I'm so thrilled. Thank you all so very much. Thank you all to my current monthly sponsors, anyone who's made a donation. I appreciate you guys so very much. If you have the means, donations really help this show happen. Um, you can head to yaywithme.com and click donate. If you don't have the means, I totally understand. A review on iTunes is also really appreciated and also sharing with anyone that you think could be helped by this. So in closing, the goal for everyone in this category of controllers is really just to get comfortable or more comfortable with states of powerlessness and what if. Because the real goal is just practicing tolerating it a tiny bit more. Because here's the thing, if you can practice being in a state of discomfort and accepting unpredictability and actually learn a soothing mechanism that works for you and you can if you have like one or two tools that help you in this state you can actively control your life and you can control what you actually want to have happen in your life so it's it's like by letting go you're able to be served by your higher purpose and ironically be more in control <laughs> It's like I it's it's weird but then when we're grasping all the time when we're constantly in a state of panic we're not even in reality being guided by what we truly want we're just suffering we're just increasing our own suffering we're not actually present to witness the truth of the experience or even decide based on you know all of ourselves what it is we want to do about the situation so the, the process of going through and doing all of these things will actually help you make your own life better. And you'll get to be present for it and enjoy it. So win, 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 win. I hope this helps you. And as always, I send you my love. And I wanted to say one particular note. This is from a listener. It's a really important thing that I 
fail to say on every single episode, but always on all of my episodes, take what helps you and leave the rest. And know that my intention is always to help, never to hurt. So if something rubs you the wrong way, know that it was not at all intended. Um, And, you know, obviously reach out and let me know. I want to be aware. But always take what helps, leave the rest. And don't forget to smile. Thank you.